Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am your one of three hosts, Wade Mariano, joined here always by a one. Trace Finacaro. And... Francisco Corbetti. That is a one, Gunnar Kennedy. And we are also joined by a very special guest today, a one, Luke Bixby. Luke, how are you doing? Good. Luke is uh, a Canastota alum, a lover of cats, and an IT consultant. And a pop culture hero. And a pop culture hero. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of weight. So, Luke, aside from being a Canastota native like the three of us, how else do you know this group? Oh, let's see. So, uh, Gunner and Trace are both in IT, and we've uh, bumped into each other quite a few times at Turning Stone, which is where they worked, and Gunner continues to work. Where Gunner and, continues and to work. We, we also have a get-together every so often. We still all get together. Gunner's silent for some reason. I'm not sure if I should use the word. He's trying to talk to us with his eyes. Actually, I'm really just kind of still uh, hurt about the pre the pre launch uh, busting of the balls. Like, hey, we're already recording, Gunner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your little sassy we're remark. That's karma already, for it. We're I mean, already started. It's not really karma because we actually did it before you made that sassy remark. So it all works out. Luke, you uh, you actually lived on like what is the Canasota equivalent of Murderer's Row? Yes, which was Waterbury Road. I was, I was Waterbury. I was one of the earlier murderers. I I think Waterbury Road has like the record, um, for asshole kids who beat up other kids on school buses. Grand, grand, yeah, but I would never do that. In, grand Theft Motor in the nineteen nineties. Wow, that's kind of my range. That's you just hit right at me, uh, didn't you? Right, I mean, it's not at you, but I'm just saying you may have known some of those <laughs> I, kids. Uh, yeah, that I probably beat did. the crap out of me. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's either it's a toss up between that or Barlow Street. Barlow Street just doesn't have the numbers to to back things up. You didn't get beat up on the bus, Gunner. A car beat you up in high school. I beat up a car. Well, you be, <laughs> did they issue you a ticket for that? Yes, they did. What happened? That was crazy. Dude, I, I remember and, what and, happened. And I, that and was I, nuts. And I totaled, it, I totaled that dude's car. And I would have put my shoulder <laughs> back in if they hadn't like, made me lay down. What happened? You got a ticket for beating up a car? I got a ticket for being hit by a car on a bicycle. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, were That's you doing, sad. Were you doing something wrong? They said I failed to yield right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I was crossing People can hit you and they're... That's fine. Yes. It's not the other way around. Yeah. That that sounds like something that would happen. Gunner. You are the only human I know who has been struck by yeah. a moving vehicle and they got a ticket afterwards. <laughs> Dude, didn't you go to the hospital after that? Yes. I did. Well, I had to get my shoulder put back in. <laughs> you actually got hit hard enough to lose your shoulder. Well, no, it, it, it just it dislocated. Oh yeah, like they I didn't did, have to I, sew it back on. No. Okay. I just I just, I just uh, told that dude's bronco. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Trace actually rode my bus route, so he is really aware of some of this the craziness that happened. That's why. On I, that's road. why I know so much about it. Yeah. The trick. The trick was to make a new shiv every morning, so that you could fight him off if he had to. He he told me one story um, that I actually was aware of, and I think I even witnessed. I didn't know that he was on the bus at that time. We had a kid that 
they let him off, but he didn't want to get off the bus, so he grabbed onto the window and rode the bus down to the next drop point. <laughs> yeah, and no one knew that he was there. He was a he was a I guess a, a road friend of mine. So I was aware of that. No names. Waterbury Road. Yeah. yeah. What well, is it? A secret society? Do you guys have like like? Meetings every like like maybe reunions almost the Waterbury Road. No, reunion. we're not doing reunions anymore. No, no. like an no. evil genius like we've scattered <laughs> amongst the populace and we have, settled. You know, some of us in Kansas and yeah, jail, some jail. There's a point. Dead. Here, here, here lies a kid of Waterbury. Hell stinks more now. <laughs> the world has gotten slightly brighter. Yeah, it's okay. I yeah, I never rode the bus with him though. There was a gap. He's a little older, so I never actually right, rode the bus with you? him. How old are you, Luke? Uh, forty-six. On really? Thirteenth. No crap. July thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, so I, I rode the bus with with some of his brothers. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't actually know him, which helped because when we worked together, we had all of the Canistota in common, but I didn't have all of the bad memories of him beating me up on the school bus. <laughs> right. So it was just, Luke himself. Just maybe my brother. Just a family member. <laughs> One of the old cousins. I think I remember a story. We won't name names. Did. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm trying not did, to. Uh, did uh, a, a one general? There's a, there's a kid that we went to high school with. Did he like, I think he got his ass beat so bad that he went to the hospital. I know that there was there was two different stories on the school bus about guns accidentally going off. One of them was on that road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah. I think everyone had a gun down there. Yeah, I, like I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't one. a big deal. And this isn't like a big city, right? I mean, we're in pretty rural Canastota, New York. I'm pretty sure it's a population so, less than 5,000. If, yeah. if, if, if we're doing this escalation, because I'm a, I'm a late arriver to Canastota, I don't know if this, I don't know if this tosses up. There was uh, one summer, one kid, these two different people, one kid took it upon himself that he went through the, uh, the swamp out in back of the trailer park that we were, and he cut off all the legs of the turtles. Oh, with a hatchet. Jesus. And uh, there was a ki- there was another one who kept leaving like dead mice and stuff like that on our our, our doorknobs. Like a cat. Like well, a uh, he he cat. burned he burned a couple that weren't dead. So that was uh, it was nice. It was a nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So lot, so a water- lot, lot of casual like in hindsight. Oh yeah, that was totally a rape going on kind of stuff <laughs> in the background. Yeah, Waterbury Road was an entire it was an entire road of that. Yeah, and it was so weird too because there'd be like it. like a brand new house would go up and you'd be like, "Whoa, that doesn't belong on this road." Yeah. <laughs> and then this then like this new this new kid would get on the bus and he'd be kind of friendly and then just a few weeks later he'd be getting out and he'd be gangbanging with all the kids in on Waterbury Road. I know that family. I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> if you if one new house, I know what the one new house. Yeah, yep. I know which the one, one you're house. talking about. Yeah, oh, I still get my hair cut uh, with his mom. Yeah. It's very nice. Interesting. Good we, stuff. We, uh, yeah, we. So my uh, my great grandfather was a carpenter, and he built a bunch of houses in the, down on the beach, and like he built his retirement home 
on this one road and it was back then it was just houses but it was just this road and basically somebody bought a whole bunch of like because you know it's all it's all like garbage land anyways they bought a whole bunch of it out back and put in like four different trailer parks and basically it went from oh this is kind of okay there's church couples to fucking well I'm like seven years old and it's like in hindsight yeah I think that guy I think somebody's actually getting the ever-living shit kicked out of them <laughs> and someone's playing a saxophone over the top of it to try and cover that fucking sound <laughs> And you just like, you know, like in the same way, you like you just normalize. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm so... please. Yeah, I, I will say this is that we we went beyond Waterbury Road. Like, that was the one thing, all of us kids. We would travel in packs, and we would go down to Sylvan Beach. We probably did a lot of things that maybe you guys weren't doing because we had that group mentality. That we would go to Lewis Point. We basically lived you had down that there. Group and guns. Oh, oh yeah. We, we, yeah. I mean, we would go to Sylvan Beach too. We would just be fucking scared shitless because we thought we were going to get our asses kicked. Yes. You, well, you, you stay away from Harbor Drive. You stay, you stay away from that neighborhood. Yeah. Nothing good happens interesting. down there. And it, again, it's like you know, I make I make jokes about parks or Park Street in Syracuse because effectively it's that it's like one side, oh, this is the artsy fartsy hippy dippy, the hippy dippy like we reinvested in this neighborhood. Next side, cracked out fucking war zone. <laughs> Detroit don't get shit on that. Detroit don't got shit, and I shouldn't say it's, I don't think there's crack, but it's just it is just like the fucking disparity is literally. Like it's fucking with your stereo vision because one eye is seeing <laughs> like abandonment and the other is like do 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 do. I I guess I must go to my, get my artisanal coffee this morning. <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah, like, that that was White Law Street. That was White Law Road. Yes, that no, was the no, high no, end road. Yeah, no, no, but yeah. <laughs> how about the fact? It's, how about the fact that, White Law. that we grew up in a village with a street called White Law? Yeah. Don't blink, cause you'll pass it by. Yeah. White, white flower, white flower, white flower. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's a good trip down memory yeah. lane. Yeah, that was revisiting <laughs> gutter to horrific car accident. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, sounds like the car sustained more damage I said than that that accident. Three times. It really did. I mean, gunner is gunner wasn't totaled. Oh, it still hurts. It may still hurt, but I mean, I don't. I didn't recognize a significant difference from when yeah, you I came. Yeah, I took. I took. I took. I like. Like stopped using the sling like a day and a half after. <laughs> Yo, I just remember because I'm pretty sure that happened to you your junior year or your. I think it was my junior year. Did your no fault insurance have to pay for their car damage? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was wondering that too. Like, well, how much was the ticket? Then a fucker came up on my porch and stole my bike. Oh, what? Oh, that bike, bike that got bike, smashed got bike, stolen? The, no, the bike survived the accident because I took all. I took all the smash. Cutter was going to incorporate it into his body. Somebody stole my bike. They're not the same person that hit you. I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they could get to my house. I the just car was wrecked. You wrecked the car. The rumors start because, of course, small town, very, very small high school graduate. You graduate, graduated, and probably still graduates between eighty and one hundred twenty kids a year. Yeah, like it was like first, like Gunner was like brain dead. Like he, the accident was so bad, he was like not gonna, like he was in a coma, 
And then like he came in like the next day. <laughs> and and like, oh man! And then he tells everybody he got a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> like when did they actually actually let's? I don't mean to get off topic. We never got on topic. So what? When did they issue you the ticket? I know. Oh, when they dropped off my bike. What? Wow. Oh. Are you fucking kidding me? So they wow. rushed you to the yeah, hospital. No, well, you know, because, yeah. You got like, your shoulder put back I in. wish I could remember the officer's name, because, like, you know, he was like, dude. I think his name is, is Officer Dickhead. No, because he's like, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm sorry. This is this is kind of horseshit. And da 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 da. You know, and you could say that it's part of the spiel, but it's like. Maybe they didn't it. want the person that hit you to have any liability. I think I think what you happened know? is maybe he pulled they out knew in front them. of yeah he probably pulled out in front of like like yeah, the mayor or the something. wrong person. Mayor's like I ain't well, getting no see, tickets. The problem the, the problem the, prob- the, prob- the problem is is that it's completely even fucking arbitrary because bicyclists have the same you know I si- I signaled the turn and what happened is that like basically we're. <laughs> 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 So, did you signal left or signal right? No, I signal. I signal. I signal. Okay, but that's what uh, you're, you put your hand up. That's a right turn. Yeah, no. Okay, I'm sorry. It's it's like how many fucking years? Maybe they thought you meant left. What? Like anyone? Yeah, you're right. That's in, left. Like wouldn't even know what you were doing. <laughs> I'm sure you did it properly. That guy just that guy just waved. They thought you were going left. No, no, what, 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 what made it, what made it worse was it was at where Express Mart used to be. So it's that, that, because that, that, that intersection's fucking murder anyway. If you're trying, if you're trying to do it on a man on a bicycle. I can't. It almost was literally Imagine them giving his parents a ticket. Like, we're sorry about your loss. <laughs> Sorry about your but, but, but it wasn't the driver's fault. It's so messed up. That would never pass today. No, and that, that, that show, yes. And that, so the guy fucking pulled out of the Express Mart driveway, freaking gunned you, it. You hit the mayor, man. I, yeah, I guess. You freaking hit the mayor. You, Mark well, Lavonis. You I mean, hit like, him. I, I, don't, I don't know. And I don't want to get into that whole thing. And it, it's lucky that we don't have Liz. You know, like, one, we could take advantage of the fact that we don't have the listening body right now, but I, I don't. <sighs> I don't know if you've heard of all the kerfuffle that's going on in the Canastota town government and especially the, no. the, 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 the Department of Public Works here because there's, there's like, lines have been drawn, blood, is, blood has been bled, no-show jobs have been called into question, Yeah, the, the way things have gone. There are no-show jobs in, like... In all of government. Like, Little Canastota can afford no-show jobs? Well, it's not that we can't afford it. It's just that they've been happening, and like really? all of a sudden, it's all of a sudden, yeah, you know, like uh, what's a no-show job? No-show Maybe job. I could get one in IT. Is you that a job where you're in? where you're only on paper? Yeah, and you basically. don't actually exist. What's a no-show job? It's like the, yeah, it's like the mob. Like that's like uh, you just get paid. Yeah, oh, we're in sanitation or we're in construction, and they just kind of sit around and drink and shit, and if they show up, even yeah. like the other guys, like they still get retirement and pension. You know, you're on the books, but you just don't go in. Oh, nice! I like yeah, that type of job. Me too. I think everyone bump, would like bump that up type the of job. Numbers, all that stuff. Very sombering. I was really laughing at your <laughs> horrible misfortune, and now. Uh, how, how, would, how would how would how would you go fuck yourself, buddy? <laughs> how about that? How about that? You do have to admit, Gunner. 
I mean, it it's something you can that we can all laugh about now. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that isn't that gas station? It didn't used to have a traffic light there, right? Did they put that in for you? <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. As they put it in. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, I we got to do something rank. about this intersection. There's kids. Kid keeps waving at cars. There's and kids. Up. <laughs> yeah, there's bicycles smashing cars here. We got to protect bicycle the cars. Smashing cars. Got to protect these cars. The, so, ma- you know, the mayor scratched his bumper last yeah. week. Explain like who the fuck the was that kid anyways? Was he even from Canastota? Were you wearing a helmet yes. back then? Oh, yes. Good. Were you really? Yeah. Really? Good for you. That's surprising. I never wore a helmet. Yeah, I, I, we yeah. Were you like biking shoes? Cool. Um, oh god, <laughs> man! Imagine the police report. They're like, "Was he wearing a helmet?" Oh shit! If he wasn't wearing a helmet, then we could have definitely written him a ticket. Yeah. So after you get back from the hospital and they bring your bike back, they just. Was like I got. Was the ticket already yeah, written? Or were they ready to get there? You, I gotta, I gotta give you this citation. Da, da, da. Who, who had your bike? The, the police? Yes. You think it was just in his trunk for a couple days? Who knows? <laughs> his bike was in his trunk for a couple days. He's pulling people over, and his trunk won't shut all the way because your bike's in there. <laughs> right alongside the shotgun. He's pulling oh. over. He's pulling over. <laughs> He's keeping. <laughs> No, 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 He's no. keeping it with him, and then at night, <laughs> yeah. on the weekends, he's throwing it at vehicles so he can pull them over for <laughs> suspected drunk driving. I imagine it was a, a, a like a Huffy. Oh, or it was a Huffy. Yeah. Was it a banana seat? No. Okay. No, it was a, it was a mountain bike. We actually, I we this past weekend had a, a, a pretty decent experience, and actually, I have, to, I have uh, Jeremy Ackerman to thank, who we will eventually have on this podcast once I get a sign that he's still alive from him but we got pulled over it was late friday night we were heading down to ithaca for like the weekend and we got pulled over because mm-hmm. shauna supposedly rolled a stop sign which mm-hmm. is definitely not what happened and we get pulled over yeah, right before we get on the uh throughway and the cop is this like 22 year old kid like uh-huh. and i'm like oh god mm. typically not very great experiences getting pulled over in canastota and um Hey, you know why I pulled you over? Isn't that? And we were just kind of like, okay, let's keep, let's get with the spiel. What are you gonna do? And we gotta we gotta go. Oh, you guys are in a hurry to get out of here. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're definitely in a hurry to get out of here. Oh, well, in a hurry to get out of Canada Soda? Is it that bad? I go, dude, I've lived here most of my life. You don't have to ask me that question. And I go, and if you have, then you understand too. And he kind of like laughed. He's like, oh, he's like, uh, what did did he ask if we knew Jeremy? Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's what he told. He's like, well, he, he's like, I'm from Canada too. And I'm like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 22, and I'm rolling my eyes. Like, of course you are. Um, so we know no one <laughs> common. Yeah. But then he was like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeremy Ackerman. I was like, Ack, yeah, absolutely. Like, I know him very well. Oh, he's like, he was my neighbor, and this and that. And then like he he went obviously just ran shot his license, and he came back and was just like. Well, I pulled over for a roll on a stop sign, and he kind of like almost air quoted it. He's like, "It's late on a Friday night. It is what it is." But have a good day. <laughs> it was just like, oh, "Okay, 
<laughs> well, that was good. He was nice. He was polite, wasn't it? Yeah, it's he, because it, you were the only car in Canastota. That's why. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Canastota. Yeah. If you're in a car after we 11 p.m., after 11 p.m., you. you're the only one driving around town. You must be probably drunk. You or the newspaper guy. So I, you know, if you if somebody does visit Canastota, just put an orange or amber light or whatever on top of your roof, and then the cops will just assume you're the you're the newspaper guy. You won't get pulled over. It's a good idea. It's a bit of a precaution you have to take and a little bit of extreme precaution to take, but you won't get pulled over in Canastota, New York. Be careful. If you enter Canastota on a bicycle, be very careful. Don't signal in uh, the the preferred and accepted ways throughout the rest of the country (laughs) because they're not going to listen. They're going to think you're waving and you have a tick or something like that. So they issued you a ticket for that? They... Yes. Like, literally, they dropped the bike off. I'm like, uh, how did that even come up? Did they just say, like, bang, here's a ticket? I got to give you, yeah. You know, and again, I was too young to really be kind of fighting it. Well, because the, yeah, because the thing was, is that I did, I actually technically had the right away when the guy fucking decided to, uh, that's, yeah. Which crazy. I legally, I had the right away. Physics, it was like, go fuck myself, but it was. (laughs) That's nuts. Did you fight the ticket or no? no? You paid so it. you paid the ticket, and it was probably like 80 bucks, and then your bike got stolen, so you lost that money, too. Plus the medical. I lost the mic. Uh, yeah, you know. What are the odds that the thief lived on Waterbury Ruckle? Yeah. <laughs> the guy that hit you. Was it a guy? I, 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 I'm sure. I'm, I'm going to say that Waterbury Road got at least three very nice bikes off of me. Oh. <laughs> And that, that one of them, happen. one of them, one of them was a hybrid. One of them was a Pee Wee Herman bike. Really, I had a full size Pee Wee Herman bike that I liked on the gear swap on. So it was a, it was a ten speed, all that stuff. And that fucker stole the front porch with dogs, the wo- with oh, dogs that don't do- like people. Dude, wa- had to be a water. You gotta lock sailing. that up. Yes. Yeah. And then somebody stole one. Out, somebody stole my hybrid. The right dogs that don't truck. like people are still scared of the Waterbury yeah. people. Yeah, well, we Waterbury people aren't people. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the Get in and out. normal sense. Yeah. They're, they 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 wear they wear the <coughs> they wear the flesh of those they have taken. You guys ever run into this situation where like you had because uh, I had some older kids that lived around my neighborhood. I was actually one of the younger youngest kids that lived in the neighborhood, and you knew like some of these kids were not you know didn't have great family lives or whatever or situations and they'd be like hey man let me ride your bike and it's just like you're never seeing it again you're just no it's not gonna go well right like, you know oh no i'm just gonna ride around in the school parking lot you'll be like the playground or whatever and you don't like you just know but you know there's nothing you can do because you know you're gonna say something and they kick the shit out of you Actually, yeah. this, that kind of shit is what ended any belief in authority whatsoever. Because when I was a kid, when I was going to, because I, I went to Camden when I was a, a wee larval gunner, and it was like the straight up. There was like the teacher, you, you brought something good. To, you you could never bring anything to school. You can be anything good because the only thing that good things got you was people would go out of their way to fucking either disappear it or ruin it. And it's like, lady. I have I have fucking metric like I got to a point where like, like I had metrics I had like here here's the times that you have decided that like you have to share this here are all the times that it has been ruined well you have to share it's like uh no did fuck off dude I just remember this like 
I'd have to like, and the only way to get it so back, like, was just to wait. There were hours I would just wait <clears throat> because I knew if I didn't come back with my bike, it's gonna be an ass whoop in there too. Like, why don't you? Where's your bike? Yeah. Where well, is your bike? How about you? How about you learn? You, you you just needed to learn the you needed to learn the dim mock, so that you could fight your way through. The 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 the, the, the what was what was the Bruce Lee movie where he had to go up the tower? Uh, game of Death. Yes, you had you had, you have to learn how to successfully navigate the Game of Death. Yeah, I didn't make. The I rarely made it past the first floor in the tower. Dead kid, why are you playing video games? You had like a real fucking, you had a real life fucking Kumite on the These way home. These kids are like five, or like between five and seven years older than me, and, and right now it's not a big difference. But when I was like six or seven, it was a massive difference. Well, it's different now with with video. Start I think bringing too. a bike lock. I think it's different now with video because nobody wants to beat up a kid on camera. Well, unless it gets on World Star. So now all you got to do is pull out your cell phone and be like, you're like, hit me, bitch. And then they're like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want this on video. Yeah, except like, they'll, they'll, they'll just they take your cell phone. But like, I don't know, man. You get hunted down on the internet now. People will fucking find you, expose you, yeah. and fuck your life up. Did you, yeah. see so. the, did you see the stolen bike pranks? Where yeah. the guys oh, yeah. like duct tape a bike together, yeah. and then they then they they just set it by a tree and let somebody steal it. But they're adults, and it falls apart <laughs> as they're riding it. And, like the bar goes into their crotch. Right. And stuff. The these are adults doing bitches. these pranks. Like, can you imagine us as kids if we would have thought oh, of that? We could have really been, messed uh, with people. Been, it would have been great. It would have been worth <laughs> it to ride just a shitty bike. The other well, thing too you is start back, making, you start making them out of cardboard, cardboard bikes. And back then, <laughs> and then they try to steal it. Back then, the. Uh, uh, it, it, even if you did record it back then, you could just beat somebody up and steal the camcorder. Mm-hmm. Now, like as you're recording it, it's being backed up in the cloud. Yeah, like it's a different, it's a completely different thing now. It's I think in- there's less fighting because of that too. It seems like schools. Like I didn't hear a lot of fights uh, well, with my son. You're right. If they fight, school, they're like, we're going to make say, it worth you, it this you, time. You say yeah. you say that, but there's actually maybe like, there's, there's not. I don't. There's know. there's kind of a celebrity element, and I've seen enough like fucking guys actually get like fucking whacked on camera like while they're recording shit. Yeah, you guys live in Canastota too, so maybe yeah. that's part of it. I, I no, we're we're actually I I, I live high in the hills oh. of Morrisville. Is it actually Mooresville, or is it technically something else? Well, actually, technically, if you want to go yeah, by semantics, it can either it can either be Mooresville or Canastota. Where, really? where do the Depending kids on. go to school? That's what's important. Well, uh, there are no kids, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you if there were kids, which they go to district? the Mooresville, they go to the Mooresville school district. There, Mooresville, it is Stockbridge. I but think. Uh, <clears throat> but every uh, every uh, address lookup system I have. Defaults to Canastota as the town that it goes to because for some reason they're interchangeable. Because fuck you, that's why. So we mentioned uh, backing up to the cloud. Backing, backing up, up to the, the cloud. cloud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's we're gonna like back up to our actual first topic. Our first topic. Back up, yeah. Back up so um, I've been wanting Luke to be on this podcast since we started. Number one, he's very interesting. Number two, he's in the technology field, which is where Gunner and I met him. Um, even though we coincidentally went to the same high school. And uh, what Luke does is he works for a consulting firm. So he'll go into other companies and he'll help them out with, uh, with different things with their, with their IT uh, infrastructure is usually the term that they use. Uh, but I remember um, that the company that I work for actually has used his, the company that he works for. They, they've used their consultancy services for different things. And uh Luke has 
been in the industry long enough that he's actually seen a lot of the different faces of IT. Um, when when I started in the industry, I don't know when Luke started, but when I started, it was it, the '90s were over when I started. And at that point, it was the PC revolution was kind of over. The .NET boom uh, was kind of on its way down. But Luke's seen a completely, um, he's seen his own perspective. Uh, you worked for Intel at one point, correct? Yep. Yep, in automation. So there was still, you know, obviously the server side and the workstation side of it. But uh, it was, I wasn't really in infrastructure. I'd call myself more of a desktop engineer at that point. And that's kind of how I moved into the role that I had at Turning Stone initially. So now I remember you telling me stories about some of the automation equipment that you were working on had to be uh, dust free. Was that correct? Oh yeah, it's all clean room. Um, so explain know, what it was like working on like these a PCs hospital, back even then. cleaner than a hospital. Yeah, so the the PCs would interact with these basically multi-story high uh, equipment that uh, manufacture the chips for your computers and things like that at Intel. And, um, and what I worked on was the automation system. So it's literally the robots that go out and pick up the, the different um, wafers and move them to, from station to station. The, the, the PLC, the, the program logic controllers and their... They're like overhead base. vehicles. They're actually vehicles that travel overhead. Yep. We also had auto, uh, guided vehicles that traveled how, in a, on uh, magnets. How crazy is it that... like? TSMC and Global Foundries actually like finally pulled ahead of them. Now is that for the memory? No, side? I mean like they actually they're actually manufacturing at a smaller process than Intel at this point. Oh, okay, and that's the the one out of IBM, right? Uh, Global, Global, Global yeah, Foundries. One, I mean Global, Albany. Uh, well, no, I'm saying like Global Foundries is the one that got spun off of AMD yeah, yeah. and TSMC. I the think they do. don't they. Do they run the um, facility in Albany? Didn't Global yes, Foundries? yes, they bought yeah, that I out. Thought so, um, you know, that's the TikTok that that Intel is is really driven. You know, they're dr driven by that, so they're not really looking at getting to the smaller scale. Uh, they're looking at refining the process and then shrinking it, refining the process. So there's a point there where they're not looking at always just shrinking. And if someone jumped ahead of them in a shrink, it's probably because they were just focused on shrinking and not actually well, the, the, the different. Right. What you're sets. saying is between that and they're actually their their yields are better than Intel's at. That's surprising process. because Intel is known for their yields. It's, well, that's really what they're really well. Known so week for. after week, Gunner brings up the, the the microprocessor talk, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there, yeah, Gunner. I, I mean, um, I haven't really looked into it lately. And he's constantly bringing up the war on which one's smaller, which one's faster. Right. So that's a little bit of the motivation behind where he's going here. Um, we talked about the uh, uh, the different like the, the, the video game consoles that you would have in your living room and who's winning the war there. Um, you got NVIDIA stepping up to the plate. We, and we've talked a little bit about that, but uh, he's constantly bringing this up week after week. Well, what I'm more looking at is, I'm not really looking at the, uh, like I used to, the, the actual um, engineering of the processors yeah. and things like that. I'm looking at where the industry is going. Right. And what I'm, what I'm seeing is, similar to golf clubs and other things that China has stolen yep. from us. 
They mm-hmm. are now actually stealing the microprocessor well, uh, technology. So they, really? they, they they're, brought, they they're brought going to become one of the biggest ones. They brought they brought like nine like Samsung style fabs online. Yes. this year alone. And right when I left Intel, they were bringing a uh, they were bringing up a facility in in northern China. And I always thought, why are they doing that? Because we we, we did at, at Intel have some of the best uh, microprocessor microprocessor architects, and you know I thought it was a mistake. And go figure. Now they're looking at, you know, they're doing their own thing as a as a actual country, and it's not a company. It's it's China, the country, right. creating microprocessors. So. Yep. Yeah, that's scary. It's yeah. scary that they can take over almost any industry and just take over manufacturing. Is it just like sheer numbers they can just throw at it, and that's why? Like it's like well, we'll just I, throw. We can just throw. I, there's 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 three primary. Yeah, listen, I always say there's three primary problems, which is that one, um, getting the capital to start a fucking microprocessor foundry at this point, at anything resembling an actual like reasonable fabrication size is like multiple billion like you know tens of billions of dollars so you basically either you have to have something like samsung or whatever where it's like a top-down thing where they have their own fucking banks that they can write their notes off of or you gotta have a government basically subsidize the whole thing and but even then to wade's point like china's still got to be able to do something that they've they're kind of new to and they've got to be able to beat out the top corporations when they do it well, you know, but the but the other, the other thing is is that there's like long term strategic defense concerns if you have to depend. You know, like we're already we're already there. I mean, like you know, part of, part of this whole trade war that's supposedly getting kicked off. I've seen price spikes on components because, like, you, you know, never mind. Like, even if it's assembled here, yeah. the raw components are only out of so many places, and fucking they're all coming from shenzhen so yeah you bring up a good point actually because that was one of the stipulations that um the u.s put on intel when Mm -hmm. they did bring up that factory in in china is that they couldn't create their latest and greatest chips it had to be a few generations behind i don't know if that's still the case now but i mean even global foundries is united arab emirates yep so the there is precedent for countries controlling chips but they bought that from amd but you need but again you so need, you, need, you need the money what china's doing is a little bit different it's 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 pure espionage uh and they're stealing uh some of the engineers and the the, the actual design from companies like uh uh you know intel and well you, you know we, we don't have we don't have the best <laughs> what's hit? the Ty- taiwanese company that but, i heard no, that, that there's there, that was uh, the big one that they've been basically their their designs are right off their their sheet well that would probably be uh again tsm if yes. it's a taiwan yeah. semiconductor yes. manufacturing okay, that's corporation yeah. You're, that's the one because they're doing like extra you know like they're at the point they're doing x-ray lithography and I'm stuff like that i'm surprised their yields are that high are they above 80 percent they're teasing it like you know that that's actually you know again like until in, until the other thing is, is that TSMC and Global Foundries, they're the customers that they're dealing with for the most part. I mean, like you know, uh, with the exception of Nvidia, they have uh, architectures that are optimal because again, the, re- the 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 fail rate on the way, you know, the fail rate on the features is higher. 
but um, everybody's going to like smaller, uh, like modular components. Yeah, and that kind of that's cloud based. Yes. Yeah, so well, then basically, you know, like we just we just you, throw we, you we, just we, throw a ton of resources at something, and then there's just a bunch of replication going on. So if a feature set fails in one device, something else picks it up, and that's exactly what the cloud is becoming. You know, and again, like that's that's where Intel's been stumbling is that the the their their CPU design was based on that like monolithic block. So their feature failure their feature failure rate was higher, hence they had more chips being. No, no, what's going on with Apple? Um, didn't Apple make an announcement about them dropping Intel? Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're I actually hadn't heard that was official. Or, oh, so they're going. No, they're, they're I, going I read okay, that. So I, I thought they were actually. I, I didn't. Really, this is scary to me yeah. because um, I remember when Intel was using the IBM processor for their desktops. Um, they called them the Power Max and stuff like that, and. Although this isn't really that big of a deal to the consumer, um, the consumer had to deal with it too. Now, Macs only take up like 8 to 10% of the desktop market, and the desktop market's still only maybe 50% of people using a computer, right? The rest is all phones. So it's a sliver of a sliver. But for the people who do use Macs, they probably remember there was a time when you downloaded a Mac application, it would say, hey, this can't run on your Mac. Yeah. And that's because they had switched from uh, the IBM, the power processor over to uh, Intel. And you needed to make a program that worked on both. And that was a lot of work for the application developers. Now, I happen to be an application developer is my evening job, so it affects me. It's something that bothers me when they make these switches. Um, so I'm a little bit more vested into this topic, but I also think about the trouble it's going to be if they switch. So from my understanding, and Gunner, if you know more about this, please chime in. They, their latest iPhone came with the A8 processor, is what they call it, is that what they call it, the A8? Yes. And the A8 processor is so fast that they believe that they no longer are reliant on Intel's processor. So does that mean they're going to start putting their cell phone processors inside to their computers? Risk-based? Yeah, yeah. So off of x86, I think that's... That's, that's what scares me. However, so, yeah. if you look at some of the, uh, some of the trends in, in risk, or um, it's more, more modernly called ARM, right? <clears throat> yeah. The Advanced Risk Microprocessor, right. ARM. Um, in the ARM field, you have, uh, who is it? Is it Qualcomm? You have Qualcomm. You have uh, Snapdragon. Qualcomm is, has, an, has, an, has an Intel emulation layer Broadcom inside the ARM chip now. Up. It's only 32-bit, though. But they have an emulation layer. So I don't know if that's going to change things, and maybe you'll be able well, to run some apps. But Apple's been 64-bit for so long uh, that I still see it really affecting the the application compatibility technically if you want to get like if you want to like go read between the lines you know through the looking glass kind of stuff that chip that we talked about before the one that's the i7 with the amd graphics core on it and the hbm memory embedded mm -hmm. that's actually probably a macbook part or a macbook pro part like you know, like there, there's, there is, there is a certain because part of the problem with Intel is that Intel has not been able. You know, like this goes back to this whole like Intel has not been able to bring the feature sets that Apple has been asking for, and they're kind of stalled as far as like whether the power, you know, like their power envelope stuff is gone, and you know, uh, the, hence like why you know like there's there hasn't really been a compelling MacBook Pro offering yeah. in a while. 
and even that, like, you know, you look at their workstations and stuff like that, they've kind of installed. Yeah, I, I, I think what it really is, is we're seeing just like if you have a Chromebook, you're not really installing applications on your computer anymore. Yeah. I, most things are running out in the web. You're either running it off a web uh, server so that you don't really need to have that installable part so that's going to be one of the things that transforms things like intel well even you know then this goes back to that whole or, cloud the, thing. or the, the desktop the, the whole cloud thing too because like depending on which version of the iphone you had it would do a partial installs of the app right and dynamically cache the files for the application docker runtime look at what docker's doing with with azure you don't even need to install anything you run it right in docker and, and it runs it like an app on your on your computer, it's so it doesn't really. All the processing power is in the cloud, is in these Azure farms, and um, and you're not really concerned with what you need. You know, your computer is just emulating a screen. And I think, um, like I've used the Chromebook before. I think one of the big selling points of the Chromebook is it can run those Android apps. <clears throat> And I find myself, I mean, there's not really any apps for the Chromebook anymore. There used to be the Chrome apps, but they got rid of the Chrome app yeah. store. Now it's all Android apps. So if you want to do something on a Chromebook, you need to install an app. You just go and grab the one that was made for Android and yeah. it runs great. So I think that, that the Apple desktop is lacking a lot of things because it can't do that. I mean, how crazy is it that you that you can't play the the cell phone versions of a lot of the games that we play because they just have never been made available for the desktop um, on the Apple platform. So I think that that would help. Um, and I actually, I had to look up the article. So what's interesting about the Intel switch is it started off as a rumor and everybody assumed it was the main processor. And it turns out just a few days ago, they refined the, the, the rumor and it's actually just the modem chip. So right now, it's just the modem chip that okay. they're switching away from Intel. So it's not, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be switching their, their core processors away from Intel just yet. Probably just a cost decision. Maybe there's a modem chip from there's, some other well, it's, they're, it's they're a 5G hitting. decision. It's a 5G decision. Oh, okay. So what's happening is, is as the industry is trying to switch to 5G, uh, I think it's the, uh, it's the race for the microprocessor to provide that 5G. So you're still good with your coding you don't have to worry about. I think I'm okay anything. for a little while. You're okay for a bit. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so we we were talking about modular technology, and I don't know if you read anything about. So, Microsoft is looking at their um, compute as is just a, a mesh. Yeah. So that you you know whatever you're running your your computer or your workload on is actually being replicated to another location, geosynchronous or local redundant replication. And what I read is that they're even testing the idea of bringing like a, a, a tractor trailer, you know how you have the uh, your trailer, you can just drop it off. They'll install a bunch of servers in there and they enclose it, put in the cooling and they never have any uh, technical uh, technician go in there and swap out parts? You never touch it. And as that, as those devices fail in there, then they just bring in the next tractor trailer and replace it well, that way. Interesting. So you have no real interaction well with it. At one point, like there, yeah. you know, like there were the the the, the transoceanic shipping rated yeah. containers. So, yeah, so exactly. So what you're talking about is almost like um, like 
like heart like when when they life cycle their hardware they actually life cycle their hardware they say hey when this naturally dies it's dead we don't care we're not going in we don't care if it died a day in or a year in. as soon as the parts fail we just it's cheaper to just manufacture a brand new box uh box it's the google Google data center there's more than that because if you think about it there there's reasoning there's reasoning, that, right? Because there's an ROI on the model. Y- you would think, well, um, wouldn't you want a technician to go in there and replace it? But what are you doing by inter- having someone come into your area of compute? You have all these clients that may be using that resource, right? You have no control. I mean, you you have some locks and different things, and people have to check in, and then there may be cameras and different things like that. But if you seal it up. And no one ever enters it. Wait, that reduces your security footprint too. So they're so selling is, this as a security. So is this a client specific application, or is this just a site like basically a, 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 a resource management? Manage, well, no. So like basically, would you have your trailer dropped off at a client site, or is this just they're the consumers? They're just actually doing their geo loading, like saying, okay, we we need we need additional resources within this particular region. Yeah, within this net, within this this network grouping. Yep, we'll drop a couple containers. We'll drop a couple containers off and see where we are in six months. I mean, it's not much different than the way we treat home routers, the way we treat uh, DVR from a cable company. You don't have the technician from the cable company come in, get your DVR, take it apart, replace the drive in it, and put it right. back together. They swap the whole thing out, and it makes sense. I mean. Some of these, some of this home equipment, you if you had the wrong technician repairing it, you are introducing an additional security problem because right. they could install something, they could solder something while they're in there. Well, how would the average person know? So you're right. If if they can if they can put controls around the manufacturing of the hardware, then when the hardware is delivered, as long as they say this is never getting touched, yeah. it dies when it dies, then yeah, it does give you that additional security. Um, but it also gives them a plan so they're not stuck on old hardware. And this wouldn't be something that you'd actually de- deploy to a customer no, site. They, yeah, yeah okay. I know where it's, you're it's, going it's reason, with that. No, because again, this is a this is a Microsoft resource. Yeah, like you're North, talking it's about a cloud North, strategy. Yeah, it's a cloud. It's their strategy. Versus Central East yeah, versus yeah. Southeast versus. And they're becoming one of the, I, I only know this be, by someone else, but Microsoft is actually becoming one of the largest consumers of electricity Wow! because of their Azure farms and their, their, their different uh, sites. They, they're laying their own fiber across the uh, transatlantic so mm-hmm. that they don't have to rely on uh, Verizon or AT&T or any of their backbones. They have their own backbones. Now, I, I want to dumb cloud down just a little <laughs> yeah. bit for the readers that are getting lost as our, our readers, listeners. Um, when you use the term compute, right, you say, you know, Microsoft's compute. Yeah. Um, let's talk about exactly what that means. So it's funny, and I actually want to just jump in because I... Of the, of the four of us here have the least amount of experience in the field that you're talking about and the subject you're talking about. But I'll turn it to something that I am familiar with, which is like gaming. So um, when Microsoft came out with the Xbox One, they talked about this kind of plan. And this is, so this is six, year, six or seven years ago, I think, when it was announced. Um, one of like the features that it was, it was always online, always connected to the Internet. And they said the reason that they wanted to do that is because they were getting into developing more cloud computing so that when your Xbox was quote unquote off, mm-hmm. like when my Xbox is off, I have to, hard, to, in order to turn that thing off, 
I have to actually go and physically hold the button down for like you know 10 seconds for it to, sh- to power actual down mm-hmm. when i just hit the turn off feature like in the menu or whatever on the controller it says turns off and the power's <laughs> yeah. off and everything but it's still on and like i don't know what it's doing but their plan was to use cloud computing so as their as they as their installed base got bigger they would be able to compute so like when you were not using it i mean on the off hours which was pretty much even the hardest core of gamers isn't like sitting at the console for more than like eight or 10 hours. So the rest of those hours would be dedicated to kind of computing for the rest of the, of the player base or something like that. So maybe, maybe that's a good analogy for compute, right? Put it in video game terms because most people can understand that. So um, if we were to do that, right, let's say, take a game like um, um, the first one that comes to my mind is like a world of Warcraft. Right, um, and in that game you have things that evolve. Right, I've never played it. Have you guys played the game? Yeah, I've played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, I assume you have things that evolve. There's there's clocks that are constantly running. Is yeah, there stuff yeah, that you have to wait for? Yeah, world, uh, world, world like time. time or whatever. Yeah. Is yeah. there stuff like if you come back the next day, you're closer to something like a yeah, egg hatches and things or like something? That. Like yeah, yeah. So uh, so the, the the concept with compute right is that that processing power doesn't need to happen on the Xbox that you're on, or even crazier, it doesn't necessarily have to happen on the server that you're connecting to, right? The the centralized uh, World of Warcraft server that you're, you could actually farm that off. Mm-hmm. And you could say, hey, tell me, you know, what's going to happen over the next 12 hours, then just get the results back so you don't have to look at all the different scenarios. So that's, that's one instance of compute. But uh, when you talk about compute from the business perspective, yeah. you probably see a completely different demand, right? Yeah, and I think... Really, to understand it, we have to really talk about hypervisor. And then to even talk about that, we got to talk about your regular physical server. So back, you know, 15 years ago, you would go to a a reseller like HP or whoever sells HP or Dell, or you'd go to a reseller and you'd buy a a server and you'd, you'd rack that server in your data center and you'd, you know, install your operating system might be linux might be windows um, and then on top of that you might install your application so if it's a point of sales something like you know we know of Mm -hmm. that point of sales is running on that physical server so that that application is running on that server and then that server might feed a hundred point of sale workstations that rely on that application so if that server goes down those hundred workstations that were relying on that application no longer work. All right. So, and in any maintenance and all that stuff of that that single server has to be coordinated with those hundred workstations or people that rely on it. And then then came the hypervisor, and things like uh, you know VMware and Hyper-V are two hypervisors that are probably the most prevalent. You could take that server and you maybe add another server to it. So now you have two servers and on top of those servers, you install this hypervisor that then you install a a Windows or, or an actual server that runs that point of sales system. So during maintenance and things like that, you would just fail it over to the other server. So that point of sales system never really goes down other than its own individual upgrades, the application upgrades. And, uh, you know, then you, you just maintain those two servers. So that's called HA or high availability. And then when you're getting into the cloud, 
now you're talking about things that are replicating. So you have the physical layer, which is multiple servers still that are managed by Amazon Web Services, which would be Amazon's um, cloud compute, uh, G Suite, which is Google's cloud compute, and then Azure, which is Microsoft's cloud compute. So no, no throwing up of Oracle's there. No, nothing about Oracle here. <laughs> we don't want to talk about the oh my great, God. great Satan. Fuck. I have, I, I don't know how they got my number. I have so many freaking sales reps <coughs> from them hitting me up, and it's like I have no decision-making power. I am not an influencer. Why are you yeah. calling me? But you know they want to charge for Java. Pretend like you are. That's the best. You know, when I get called by uh, well, places in, like, uh, Turkey or something like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on gotta, my computer. Okay, I'm pushing the key. Well, Nothing's happening. I, 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 I got to say, maybe maybe, maybe that is the way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you – yeah, sidetrack. I don't know if you heard. Our buddy GC got promoted to director of engineering and architecture. Nice. Yes. I know he was going up for it. Good for him. Would it be uh, all that surprising if Oracle's headquarters was actually an underground base buried under Waterbury well, Road? N- no. It, uh, <laughs> well, actually, no. It's 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 he has a he has a tunnel with a tunnel to it going from Waterbury Road to that volcano island that he bought he bought out in the, the one Hawaiian island. So when you t- when you talk about, um, he has to bathe in magma to renew his his un- his unlife. When you talk about like how it's kind of progressed with the hypervisor and things like that, what it kind of reminds me of, and tell me if I'm way wrong, it's almost like uh, if you think about like the military, like special forces, like special forces units. The what's different from those guys is so in the military you've got like everyone's trained in a job, right? <clears throat> well, the special forces team, everyone is trained in like every job. Yeah. So is it kind of like that, like? If one guy goes down, we lose somebody on a mission. We can still continue the mission, almost with the same amount of effectiveness because we have we don't have just that one guy that did this job. We have like seven other guys to do the that job as well. That's absolutely yeah. the benefits of the cloud. Yeah, that's absolutely the benefits of the cloud. It, it is that you can quickly move something to another system, um, and most most of the time. Um, it's done in a, in a fashion that doesn't even slow down operations. Yeah. It's live. It, I remember yeah. seeing an old video, um, and it was actually two different processor manufacturers. One of them was AMD, and the other one was Intel. And this was an early uh, early VMware demonstration. And the guy had a streaming video playing. And he used the computer to show what he was connected to. And he was on the Intel. He was connected to the Intel uh, instance. And he walks over and unplugs the cable and the video was still playing and then you could watch it actually switched him to the AMD and what was happening was and, and then he was on the AMD server and what, what was happening was both systems were actually playing that content at the exact yeah. same time okay. all it had to do was just move him over so he was consuming his content yeah. on the other system it was actual like he says high availability it it, it was real time you they never the end user does not even know that the system goes down that's the world that we're living in now and, and, and we it's only yeah. been around for 10 years really to the masses so that that would be high availability is is the ability to fail over but then now what they're what they're really deploying is fault tolerance so fault tolerance is the ability to continue 
your workload without ever having any perceivable uh, interruption. And again, because it's it's also one of these things where like we we kind of had to we, we had to wait for multiple factors to kind of c- c- converge, which is that we have the bandwidth on the net, the network to basically support you know support you know we have a hundred meg we at least have a hundred megabit you know external external networks are close to yeah um the just actually practically implementing the compute you know like the, the the models as far as like on the software side to say okay i i have to keep i have to keep track of asynchronous states between mm-hmm. these these you know how do, how do i do this so that i have multiple asynchronous activities going on in the background but as far as the client's concerned it's arriving in a synchronous manner because yeah. they have to you know like what you know it's the it gets, it gets there's a whole bunch of stuff because it like it gets into the psychology of like you like never mind like a, a server application but if you're doing something on the cloud and it's a user interaction thing like right. just because you perceive it as real time doesn't mean that it's actually occurring because like you can you can have something going on you can go and click a button and the response that you get back doesn't necessarily happen at the same time because you might be distracted by another element on the screen that you're interacting or something like that. So is that kind of like uh, I'm going to continue to bring it back to gaming. So like when we so a problem with PUBG on console specifically is, is it, it's dog banding. Yeah. And is it because yeah. the server side Absolutely. is not synchronized with yeah. the user side? Video yeah. games video games yeah. are a perfect analogy of what Gunner's describing because the gamer can't wait half of a second between seeing his bullets fly. But the back end needs to figure out where you would have been if you actually were drawn in a fair map with other people. So you might have a 10 millisecond ping. Somebody else might have a thousand millisecond ping, which is a full second. And because of that, you might get killed when you didn't see, you didn't even see him turn the corner yet. And yeah, you have these issues, bullets turn corners um, or the rubber banding you're describing or people are chopping across the screen. Yeah, that's the thing is in compute that has to, that has to occur as well. And you can get just like in a video game, you can get unfair transactions to occur. Uh, in, in, in the middle of compute. But the, I think what Gunner is describing is that, you know, with video games, it's not so bad um, because it's usually just three-dimensional movement. But if you were to get something which, is, which might have a little bit more data involved, what if you are using Photoshop or what if you're making a 3D model on your computer and you don't want to lose your work there? This is where it starts to get strange because the compute engine can't be out in a cloud. Because as you're rotating that 3D object, you want it to be real time. Now, it eventually could be in the cloud. It's not yet, though. Um, as you're rotating that 3D object, as you're texturing that 3D object, as you're changing the lighting on that 3D object, there's a lot of stuff that has to occur locally right now. The cloud could handle it, but there would be a delay that would be undesirable. So what's going to be interesting is, number one, do you just do your computing in the cloud? Do you just remote into that environment and just deal with a small amount of latency? The end user is not going to allow that for photo editing and for uh, for 3D editing, for movie editing and stuff like that. Um, so the other option is this kind of constant synchronization with it. And then you can get some strange artifacts. Just like you get the bullets going around corners, you might get a chunk of your 3D object is missing. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is what you have available with your internet. So, and that's actually one of the roadblocks that we have. I don't, I don't want to call it a roadblock. I'll, I'll call it more of a... Uh, an opportunity for change 
<clears throat> a, a, a path for progress. Yes, a path for progress is that we need to if if we do build out and and what, what we ever what we're eventually going to talk about, I think, or or let me just bring it up now, is that we have some companies that are running a hundred percent of their workload in the cloud, and if you're in IT. You, you know, you know, that is, you know, how you log into your computer. So you got Active Directory, they call it, and that's the way to log into your computer. You got your file systems. Normally they're shares so that you're sharing uh, data between your uh, individual groups. You know, HR normally has their own shares and so on. Um, And what then becomes important is that internet connection between your site or sites, your physical sites, and, and, and Azure and, or, or AWS or G Suite or whatever else you're going to do. And that you have like an actual QoS quality, yes. uh, like set up on your internet connection so that when half the back office is watching fucking Netflix or listening to Spotify or Pandora... Yeah, they're not you watch affecting their, your yeah, ability uh, to they, they, they do. edit an edit Excel file. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's things that you can put in place. Um, there's uh, dedicated pipes. So Microsoft has an ELAN, they call it. Um, that, that would be like a dedicated pipe just for Microsoft Azure traffic. Now, that's nice, but do you still have to only contact your internet service provider to get that put in? It's, it's, you can, you buy that through Microsoft, so you can actually. So Microsoft has the partnerships with all of the people that run wires to buildings. Yep, exactly. And, and then there's uh, things like SD-WAN where maybe you don't even need an an ELAN, which does cost quite a bit of money. You can combine, SD is software defined. Yeah. So you can actually combine multiple VPN connections. So you got a hundred meg over at. TS, wonderful turning stone. We're, we're, we're up to 400, man. Yeah, 400 meg? Well, maybe that's not enough. Maybe you got a 400 meg and then well, through it, Northland, it, but it, then you got another 100 meg through Spectrum. It would it would, it would be it would be enough, uh, ergo, if Netflix and Spotify was not yeah. dragging down. It's it's it's, ama- it's amazing watching the land speed. Not Pandora. Well, they're, they're not listening to Pandora I, there. I, I can't, I can't By the way, this podcast is on Spotify now. Yeah, that's nice. big. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Go, go. So all you listeners, if you're sick of playing us through the shitty... Sorry, Anchor, you're a really nice service, but your your web player's got to improve. Um, Get good. What the fuck's up with Anchor not being able... I can't, like, can't fast forward. skip and fast forward I yelled through. at them already. They said they said that they'll put it in their feature request. I don't, I don't understand it. It's so weird. Yeah. I, it really actually annoys the shit out of me, because, like... Mm-hmm. I've already lived this podcast life. Like I've already lived this and, episode once, and it's fifty so percent to the part I want to get to. Yeah, yeah. and it's fifty percent of our traffic comes directly from the Anchor website. Yeah, so they really need to improve that. I think it works on mobile, Wade, but it does not work on the desktop. But maybe it doesn't work on mobile either. You use mobile predominantly, I use, right? I use desktop predominantly. Oh, you do when okay. I when I upload when I do the uploads and stuff like that through Facebook page. Yeah, I think that's a limitation of the desktop version. Um, but if you're on iTunes, um, I use Podcast Addict. Uh, so Google just released Google Podcasts. That's available now for Android. It just came out within the last month. Um, Google Podcasts is pretty nice. You can fast forward through all the podcast platforms you can also save them for offline so if you want to if you want to listen to them in the car but you don't want to use your your um your uh mobile uh data 
data, then you can download them while you're home and then play them while you're on the road. So that's a nice feature of podcasts. But also, we're on Spotify now. So you search for Friendship Snake on pod, on, uh, on Spotify nice. to find us. I didn't um, know that. That's actually nice to do know. We, do we got to start converting these to to YouTube videos? Because I could start doing like. I think I think we're missing a lot of a lot of listeners by not being on YouTube. But YouTube would I would like to go video if we were to do that. And I think that we need um, more bandwidth and we need um, we need more equipment if we're going to go video. So I think maybe we got to do a I little Kickstarter before we go video. I, 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 got a, I got a couple sweet VHS camcorders if we get if we get a kit bash. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's going retro now, so maybe. That's true. That'd be interesting. Vaporwave. With a grainy, shitty <laughs> quality. I actually yeah. think it'd be pretty Just cool. Please adjust your tracking. So I here's kind of a uh, question. So right now, it seems like we're in the phase, which it seems like for any type of innovation, we make this big innovation, which at this point, like cloud computing, I think we, we've kind of got it, but now we're in the point where right, let's fill it in and let's make it really super powerful. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're really kind of, we're still in that like freaking... So we got the first generation of desktop PC, like actual usable desktop PCs. Like we're in that, like as far as the cloud goes, like from its actual yeah. ultimate incarnation, I think we're still in like that C64, Apple well, II. They're coming out with desktop as a service. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes. But yes. let's rewind a little bit, right? So if you go back to computing in the 80s and uh, the, the 80s, what happened is the, the centralized computer systems uh, or mainframes were able to do most of the business logic, but it was far too expensive to pass any of that business logic off to the actual end user, the, the person sitting down in front of a screen. So what would happen was they made these things called dumb terminals. And all it was is it was just a screen that connected through wire to the mainframe. And everybody, when they were typing on their keyboard, they were actually typing on the mainframe. That was how computing used to be. Mm -hmm. Now, if you really look at cloud, the only difference between the way cloud is set up and the way that the old dumb terminals were, we're really on a modern version of a dumb terminal. Instead of having a computer that, that can't do compute locally, it can, we just choose not to, and we use a web browser to get into the mainframe. But the mainframe is no longer taking up a room in every building. And that's part of the change that Luke is part of, is that these, now the mainframes are, are it's, like this, it's like this arms race between, between the three big providers. I didn't even know G Suite was in the mix, to be honest. Yeah, I knew that for email. For email, Mostly. I mean, they, they do have some uh, software editing uh, or like Excel. So you're saying so spreadsheet. For those that don't know what G Suite is, G Suite, owned by the Alphabet company, yep. is Google. Yes, right. It is Google. It's just the brand that they give their corporate yep. side of Gmail. Now I happen to be a G Suite customer, so my my day job is not, but my 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 company that I run runs through G Suite. It's a very nice service. And what it does is it allows you to have like, like you can have, um, you know, let's say, let's say it's Luke.biz, right? Yep. You can have Luke at Luke.biz yep. as your email address Register and it will it. funnel into an official, it looks just like the Gmail that you use, except you can put your logo on it. Yeah. But I, I will tell you this. Um, I, I also have Gmail, but mm -hmm. I also use OW or Office mm -hmm. 365 and uh, I'm not a you know 
I'm not pushing this, but if you look at the difference between the feature set in um, Office 365, especially when you start looking at uh, content filtering and rules and uh, the different things like that, it's it's not even close. And, and I even like their interface just to read, email, and compose. Well, it's a lot nicer. I don't know if you're, you the, guys the, are using that yet. Well, no, I mean, like, I, I have a separate one from the company. But the other thing is you have to, you have to appreciate the ultimate end goal of each of those applications. In Gmail, I mean, like, you know, they've added new features to it, but Gmail, part of it, too, is, is that it's, 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 it is a platform that facilitates Google's machine Google learning. And, like, and actually, that, cause that goes back to, too, is that like, you, you, have, you have the three primary competitors. Amazon's bread and butter is storage. Microsoft's is co just general compute. At this point, really, right? I mean, like from an like, you know, that and the, yeah. their developer frameworks. I think I think Amazon is also a compute platform. But, but, but you know, like like they're they're I mean, like they're they're always pushing the limit. But the, you know, like they're they're not they're not as ambitious as Microsoft is because Microsoft's at the point where like, you know, like they're doing a lot of work with whether they're practical or not. They're doing a lot of work as as far as expanding like Internet of Things. So like basically yes. bringing bringing more complex processing capacity. Yes. And then you have Google with G Suite, which is not actually ever, you know, like, so you have your, your email and stuff. But Google also exposes their whole machine learning TensorFlow framework yeah. through their, through that, that, that stack as well. So if you want to start doing like crazy, like face recognition stuff on your crappy cell, you know, like your crappy cell phone app, where it's like, here, I actually want to like, I can tell, I can tell, you know, like, you know, I can, I can read through the Juggalo makeup. Right. Did you, did you, did you see that shit? Juggalo makeup defeats no. like ninety percent of facial recognition that's software. That's funny. That's funny. Juggalos, soldiers for liberty. <laughs> that's um, funny. You walk into a casino and you just have to have a little bit of face makeup on. But I guess my point with the, with the G Suite was um, what Google does do is they force you through the browser, right? So right. You, you really you're consuming your Google Drive like you would consume a Google Drive through your Gmail account. Yep. Your your email is through there. If you want to have chat. You can use Hangouts, but it's through that. It's the same experience that people would have at home. So I think the reason that, that Google um, or G Suite is, do, is so successful is because right now, Gmail is so successful. It's almost perceived as a joke if you don't have Gmail as your personal email address. So when the work proposes that, I think a lot of people are like, well, yeah, I like that experience. I want to go towards that. But what I don't know is is if they're anywhere else except for their canned services. I mean, are they standing up like, like Amazon and like Microsoft are? Are they standing up like some of these proprietary applications that companies are used to running inside within within the companies or are they pretty much just offering the services that they've already had because that's the part that I wasn't sure about with G Suite. So what I would say is that Microsoft is still really aware of their office suite. So a lot of companies are used to the Word, the Excel, the Outlook. Yeah. And yeah, what you do with Gmail, and you could make it work with Outlook, and so that's not exactly the same, but I will tell you something that you won't get, is you could go into um, your Outlook app and connect to Gmail. But you know, with AutoDiscover and the way that uh, um, Outlook automatically connects to the Exchange service, the 
the ability to deploy that in an enterprise is a, a ton easier than it's trying to make G Suite work with your, your it's pretty apps. Much all or, it's pretty much all yeah. or none, right? If you're going to use G yeah. Suite, then you, you're going to use it to edit your spreadsheets. Right. And if you talk to anybody that's been in finance for, for their career, they don't want to switch. They don't want to switch away from no, Excel. They love Excel. They love yeah. Excel. So Google's is, is going to continue to have that corner of the market until the the millennials say what the fuck do you need excel for get yeah. get out of that app i can do everything that you can do in excel in application abc which might be uh, google sheets it might yeah. be something else. And, and I think in Google Sheets, you can have multiple people editing them. Yes, right? that is now, a huge benefit. Yeah, but but now Microsoft does that with their latest Office suite. Right. So Office 365, if you're connected with your um, uh, Excel 2016 or whatever, as long as you're at the right update level, you you're, you can do you that can too. edit it. PowerPoint. We're always editing three or four different people in there at once. You yeah, know? I think the and, I th and they change as you know this person is editing this foil or this sheet. So it's really cool that right. how, how that happens. Yeah, we had a company newsletter go out in my day job, and it said, "Hey, we're having a we're having a picnic. We need everybody to sign up." And nobody could open the spreadsheet because one jackass forgot to close it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's going away. I mean, it, if if you were in um, in uh, Azure or Office 365, if you were editing it in their SharePoint, mm -hmm. that is a feature that's already available. And right. that's kind of what G, G Suite is too, is because there's no reliance on local file shares right. with G Suite. It's in the cloud. It's like in the you cloud. You have to do it there. Yeah. Uh, you it's can also, save it. It's but. also slower. I mean, I've, yeah. I run my business off of G Suite and, uh, and my day job is all old school Outlook, Word, and Excel. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, Excel is much faster, much faster uh, if I need to crunch numbers locally on my computer. The Google Sheets works, but it, it, it's slow. Like just waiting for the sheet to open. The browser is sitting there spinning. Please wait. I mean, Excel takes a while to fire up, but, but once it's open, it's fast. Yeah. So, and also, um, I think there's some business logic that people rely on. So with Excel, you can go online and you can say, hey, I have... 15 different tabs at the bottom of my screen. How do I crunch a number from here and a number from there and put it on, on a total? You can find equations uh, to, to do a lot of that work for you in Excel. You're not going to find as many for G Suite because it hasn't been around as long. So uh, for a business, time is money. They're going to get the tool that the employees say, hey, this is what yeah. I can be most productive with. I just think that, that that's a trend that you're going to see slowly change. As as People that are like teenagers now uh, are growing up using these suites completely through a web browser. They're going to say, "Why would I ever want to download and install Excel? Why would I have? Why would I want to worry about whether my Excel or Word is activated online when I've been using a word processor and spreadsheet for free since birth?" You know, so I think that's when it's going to kind of tr start to change, and it's it's not much different than the people that thought that the mainframes weren't going to go away when you and I started in computing. Right. Yeah. You know, they're like, why would you want to get away from the mainframe? And it's funny to see it all come full circle again. I think I think that is going to be the direction, and that goes back to 
do you really need an x86 processor right you know if if you can if you can do it on arm or risk or whatever else uh, yeah who cares where the bra- who cares where the web browser is yeah, loaded you just run it right in the browser and and then they do have excel in the browser as well so right uh, and but like you said the, the features aren't all there right you know and that that's going to come i think later so i guess <clears throat> a question as far as where is it where it's going um, Cyborg do, bodies. Yeah, like, does it become this thing where, <clears throat> as we develop uh, the cloud intelligence, maybe it starts um, anticipating what's going to happen next, so that it's there's no longer a lag. Latency essentially comes to zero because there's several different, uh, you know, clients working on the issue and kind of already anticipating what you're all possible outcomes are going to be so you know there there is no lag i mean is that or is that just sci-fi and like so they're doing some of the predictive analysis now although it's not so much with it's not so much with business intelligence but like if you look at the the storm tracking now um when you're watching the news when they say hey there's a hurricane and we think it's going to come up the east coast what they do is they get all of these different compute engines and they get all these different probabilities and they get the ones that are the more probable because the they have to take a lot of model. factors. And what's funny is the European model yes. ends up turning out to be more accurate than ours. Right. Well, but even that, like you're saying, like you have, to, you have to think about it from a different perspective, which is that for a desktop, you have a finite amount of RAM, a finite amount of CPU, and... Like if you're doing a cloud app, you can like you. So you say you have 20 options. You have 20 specific options on that menu that you can interact with, and basically it has to cache all of them. And you know you'll you'll hear the disk thrash. And where where a cloud where a cloud application comes in is that effectively as long as the handler is there, you can have one service on one CPU that all it does is handle one button. So it has all of that stuff cached to memory already, and it's it's optimized for handling that one request so like it looks like it's faster but that's because you only hit you know like again it's it's like i do the, it's the guy that I, just does the fries you know it, it, it does it really well it does it really well and they're delicious you, you don't you never see you never you, you never see the fries getting made because as far as you're concerned you're still interacting with a normal desktop app it's just that you have one guy that does this one thing one yeah. excellent example is voice recognition right i yeah. mean voice recognition is one of those real time uh, cloud services that we don't even realize is happening. A lot of people think when they talk into their phone, the phone is smart enough to know what we're saying. But the reality is, is the compute engine inside the phone, it c- simply cannot process words well enough. And we know that because back in the day, and, and Luke and Gunner will remember this, we used to install software on people's desktops yeah. and we'd have to train it and train it. Naturally speaking. Yeah. And in, in, in once it learned the, the person, then you could use it as a dictation engine. Yeah. But what's happening now is, is you don't need that anymore. You just need a supercomputer in the cloud. So when you say, hey, uh, hey, Google, navigate to the nearest Wendy's, you'll notice the words are changing as they're going across your, your screen. It, it it might say um, it Are might say sure? like 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 two might be T W O until it realizes that yeah it looks it's a contextual it's two yeah. and it switches to T O so that's something that's happening right now we all experience but it can only exist with an internet connection so if you don't have internet you'll realize that Siri or your Google Now will say uh, sorry but we we can't we can't translate this message and it's because it requires on the cloud. What's impressive 
is that on a cellular connection, how fast it can turn that data back around. That's the part that intrigues me. Yeah. Like, is is your phone compressing the data? Is well, it stripping it, out certain well, pieces of the it, voice? Your phone actually has a, because actually this is one of the things too, um, the newer Intel chips, if you're paranoid, they have DSPs that are never powered down specifically for the purpose of processing speech and generating a hash file from that. And that's actually what's getting pushed across to the server is that it will extract the font, the font it forms via that DSP, just push the hash up to the, the Alexa or Siri or what is it, Google Voice? Google yeah, but yeah, you know, it will it, 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 push it up there, and that's what it does the calculate. That that's what it does that recognition pattern against, because it's I think it's like a three pass pa three pass hash or something like that. I would be surprised if it's an actual audio file that it's pushing. That, no, that makes sense. You know, I, I'm not sure about how the speech recognition works, but like you say, it's definitely hitting more of a server farm than than yeah, just I mean, your phone. It's, if I were to get a a 10 second actual 10 second recording and upload it to SoundCloud, it's not as real time as using the speech recognition in a phone. Yeah. So it's doing some data exchange. It's not sending Quickly. them all of the data, but then there's creepy stuff that's happening under the covers. And this is something that we've talked about on some previous episodes it's where- It's listening to you masturbate. Yeah, yeah, it's it's listening to you masturbate. But like, like Alexa, they found that Alexa is actually listening to frequencies outside of the human audio spectrum which means alexa can pick up on things that you don't even know are happening yeah like it could be the way that your dog is breathing or squealing it could be a you know a bad component inside your refrigerator or your microwave alexa's listening to all of that data now and i don't know if it's good or it's bad that they have all that data but it's scary and i think that it's pretty amazing and it should be something that we as consumers should have the ability to enable, you know, I, I want to know if there's a weird noise, like, right. Let me know. Is I it like, know. is it becoming like almost like starting to merge with humanity, like an extra sense or something right. like that? It's is kind of like, I, like the internet of things is maybe it's not even just Alexa letting you know, you have your, your actual uh, refrigerator plugged in. So. And, and Kevin Stevens uh, robot house. Yeah, yeah. Luke, I robot wish you were at our... So Luke Luke blew us off last weekend. No, Luke had some other plans. He was, he was supposed to hang out... Because he was um, afraid of death. He was supposed to hang out at... But the, the interesting part is the house that we were at, right? So what you didn't see there, Luke, is that uh, the, the person that hosted that, he had his home automated through Alexa. Nice. So he had an Alexa hanging in his living room. It was actually hanging like it was hanging from the wires so that it was positioned in a spot where he could talk to it from any spot in his living room. And he could say, um, and I apologize to people playing this at home because I'll probably trigger your Alexas every time I say Alexa. It's probably the little circle is spinning around. But he would say, uh, Alexa, living room on. And when he said that, the lights would come on in the living room. And you could say, Alexa, living room, dim. And it would dim the lights in the living room. He could say, uh, uh, he could say Alexa, uh, uh, Hulu, on. And the, the TV would turn on. 
the stereo would turn on. It would open the Hulu app and it would start playing the last thing that he was watching. Wow. And he also had it rigged with his furnace. Um, he didn't have central air, which of course he hosted this on like a 95 degree day. So we were all sweating in his living room watching him show off his Alexa. But he does have it rigged to his furnace. So he can say, uh, Alexa, furnace, you know, 80 degrees. And, and it would set his furnace at 80 degrees, which is probably a little bit warm. But it still would have been cool compared to the 95-degree yeah. weather that we were bearing through. So uh, what's interesting is in order for Alexa to be able to support all those devices, not only does Alexa need to listen to what you're saying and interpret it as commands, you need to be able to send those commands somewhere else. That's the part that I think is interesting is there's a full-blown programmer market for people who want to get Alexa commands that Amazon couldn't process. Right? Amazon doesn't want anything to do with your home lighting, at least not yet. <clears throat> They're going to farm that off to another company. What was your brother doing that I thought was kind of cool? He was doing something my with younger, radio. Yeah. My younger brother or my older brother? I'm not sure. I just remember you posting it on Facebook or something, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, well, was... my, my younger brother worked for, uh, before they were bought by Dell, he worked for EMC's cloud division. Okay. Um, not really anything to do with radio, though. And uh, and my older brother helps me out with my night my yeah. night job. Yeah. He helps me out, helps me out with the printers and stuff like that. Um, so he doesn't really have too much to do day, with radio either. Oh, you're I talking he was about selling my, something. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about my my stepbrother. Oh, okay. He, yep. he had created. Yeah. Yep. Nope. You're right. Yep. Raspberry so, Pi or something. So what my what my stepbrother made. It's not really not really that much into the cloud space, but it is definitely like yeah. an Internet of Things type yeah. deal. IoT. Um, I what so. he did is is uh, uh, so we're getting kind of into the 3D printing thing. So yeah, my my stepbrother Kyle started a project, and he probably could have picked a bit better name for it. Um, and he found a way to control a motor directly through Wi-Fi um, without having wires going back to a computer. Normally, to move a motor from a computer, you need dedicated wires. Now, of course, the motor still needed power, but he found a way to actually control the motor. Now, he called it OpenMYR, which was, a, in my opinion, was a terrible name. Number one, you don't start off a, a product with the word open. It just sounds weird. Right, um, it's got to have a little bit more of a of a zing to the to the product name. But um, I believe MYR has has something to do with the uh, the standard of the board that he was talking to. And what the board was is the board was a microcontroller board, so it was like you know maybe the size of two quarters, and it sat on top of the motor. And inside that board, it had everything that it needed to do to control. Uh, how much the motor turned. It also had its an onboard Wi-Fi chip so that you could talk to it from your computer. And he started a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, he didn't want a lot. He wanted about $80,000 to start. and But he needed the advanced orders in order to start off the business. He ended up getting about 8000 So he only hit about 10% of his Kickstarter goal and he shut it down. Um, probably good for me because he works for me after hours. So if he had started up his own company, he wouldn't be able to help me with my business. Uh, but of course, it was, it was a, a failed business venture for him which um, a lot of business ventures are. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is there's a lot of products that either were already on the market or were, were very close to being on the market that did something similar. 
where he probably failed was in the marketing side because if you can't get the average consumer to want to buy this motor, then it's going to be hard to fulfill $80,000 Kickstarter campaign. You want the average person at home to see the, you know, you pay to put the video on Facebook. You want the average consumer at home to say, yes, I want one of those. And he kind of failed to do that. One of the coolest things in this video was that he had, um, he had gotten a Microsoft Connect, which are they even... Do people even use those anymore? Um, they still use them with the three. They discontinued the, uh, them, though. They did discontinue them, but they they still like. I have a connector there, and if I wanted to use visual commands to my Xbox, I can. It essentially interacts. It's kind of like its own little Alexa type of thing. But so, but but they're not manufacturing them anymore. No, I, I don't believe so. So so he had a connect, and somebody had reverse engineered the connect so that you could get the commands and send them to a PC. Uh-huh. And what he did is he got the connect, and he was moving his arm. And, and what he had built is he had gotten um, a series of these Wi-Fi motors all stacked on top of the uh, of each other. And as he moved his arm, the Wi-Fi motors would move and make a motion just like the arm. So to me, that was the best marketing material he had. Unfortunately, it was really crap lighting, really crappy footage, and it would have taken him like a week to set that video back up again. So one of the downsides was is probably the best example that he had on how powerful these Wi-Fi motors were, um, which was this cool arm that he was creating. It least looked cool for research purposes. Um, that I, I really don't think he focused enough on that. Instead, he, he used one of them, I think, to turn on and off a light switch, which, by the way, there's already a Kickstarter for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there was two main types of motors. Now, Gunner's probably biting his tongue right now because Gunner knows all about the motors. <laughs> he knows all Stepper about the boards. Motors, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was, uh, it, it initially started as a way to make a more, uh, a more resilient 3D printer. So uh, Kyle Barrison is his name. And he, what he was trying to do is he initially was, was trying to build his own 3D printer. Now, in the beginning of 3D printing, a lot of people said, well, this is going to be easy. I can make my own 3D printer. And, but one of the troubles he was having was these cords had to stretch quite a distance in order for the motors to do the work. So he said, well, if I can just control these motors with Wi-Fi, then I can make a 3D printer and all I have to do is supply bus power. And then all of a sudden, you know, the motors can do what they need to do. So that I believe was the initial goal. But then he realized that he could apply that same, uh, the, the research he had put into the, to the board, he could apply it to other types of motors. Now, I don't really know the other types of motors or their actual use cases that much. So that's where I would pass the conversation over to Gunnar. I also don't know a whole lot about 3D printing either. No, I'm I'm on I'm on I'm on deck. <laughs> no, oh. you're up. You were on deck, but now you're up. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and and again, uh, w- I I didn't have a lot of uh, seat time looking at uh, Kyle's uh, super fun happy time project, but yeah, because uh, again, so there's three primary motor types that come into play with. Like your 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 super happy fun time, private automation, which is you have a DC brushed motor. So you know it's it's basically like what's in a drill. You know, like again, it's you know it's the old the old style one. Like you'd have like an our, our old RC cars and stuff like that. You have a stepper, mm-hmm. which a stepper is still what they call an open loop. So basically, there's there's two primary models. There's what they call open loop and closed loop control. And open loop is I just keep turning until I say that I'm not a stepper. 
kind of fakes more positional accuracy because it's got it doesn't rotate continuously. Basically, it's taking a step. So you have like you, you have a, you have a you have a you know it'll it'll spin in a three sixty degree arc, but it'll only do like so many degrees. You know, like basically it's wired so that it will only move so many degrees every step. And you have stuff like micro stepping and crap like that that brings it a little different. But so you use a stepper to basically get more accuracy because you say, okay, if I move this many steps, I've moved this many millimeters or something like that. And your controller basically just sends a pulse to to notch that many. And then you have stuff like where you go like with your brushless motors and like each each of these motors has different perform you know like you know brush motors are cheap. Stepper motors have good holding torque and they're cheap, but like their actual drive torque is pretty crap. And then you have brushless motors, which are what like they use on like quadcopters and stuff like that, and they will fuck a gopher up <laughs> something fierce because um, it is they're they're kind of like the the mix of the two. So you have to use what they call a speed controller to run the brushless motor. But they have like ridiculous power, and you know, like you'll have something like the size you'll have something like the size of a stack of quarters putting out like a kilowatt, like like a, like a kilowatt worth of power, and like yeah, they will fuck a gopher. <laughs> but um, you know, and again, like the the idea is cool. It's just the getting power to it, right? You know, because again, like you know, you, the, the the part of that too is like you know, it's kind of like that flip side is, um. You know, like how Kevin had his Alexa set up, is that it's actually going through his house. Like he's doing a da- he has a data network going over the power system in his house. Oh yeah, that was an interesting thing oh, too. He's yeah, doing Wi-Fi through power. Yeah, he's doing the yeah. So the the automated home that we were talking about, like to, in order to dim the lights, he had a special light switch installed, and I asked, I said, well. Is that light switch Bluetooth? Is it Wi-Fi? And he says, no, it's actually, it communicates through pulses in the power line itself. So there was something installed um, downstairs in his basement, and it just set pulses through the power line, and then the, the light switch could pick up those pulses. Hmm. What's kind of crazy about that? So anybody that doesn't know, like, electricity and stuff like that, usually with electronics you have power wires and you have, then you have communication wires, and the right. voltage is significantly different. But you're just saying with this, they're essentially getting rid of the communication wires and they're using the power, power using wires power as wires. communication. Yeah, wires. I mean That's it's really it's cool. it's relatively low bandwidth, so it's okay for signaling. What's scary to me though is that, like, let's say um, this kind of gets off the topic of the of the of the motors and stuff, but let's say you have a fully automated house and your home and all of the lights are on. If these light switches use standard messaging. All you have to do is record the message that your light switch received and then replay it on somebody else's. So if you go to the power meter of somebody's house, you and just by sending a signal into their, because, you know, the meters are yeah. usually accessible on the outside of a house. And meter or something you could clamp onto. Yeah, just clamp onto the wire. I mean, yeah. if it's not in some conduit that can block the signal, you could turn all the lights off on somebody's house before you break in. I mean, how crazy is that? Like, if you wanted to attack somebody. But that gets that gets into the whole, like, 
how shitty the model the security model of the internet of things is is at the moment because like there should be an actual like fucking like two-time verification mechanism to, to, to say that the signal is actually coming from an authorized there, device. There should be, and that's one of the problems with the low bandwidth is that you don't have you don't have the advanced exchange. But even if you do, Gunner, you could still just record them turning the lights off, right? Well, uh, you record their bedtime well, sequence. No, I, I'm, I'm saying that you have to have, you have to, basically you have to have a two you have to have a two path signature one, but it's it's based on a timestamp, so it's right. like an RS it's like an RSA token. It's just like right. I have the I have a clock that's synced between all of these. I say that, but I that's generally... still high. That's still higher bandwidth, right? Uh, that's like I, I, these these things are communicating off of. Like like an infrared signal to your TV, oh. any remote will work with any signal. They're very very well, basic. But but even that like uh, like as far as the power signaling in the house goes, I mean like you know they're you know legacy cr- slash crap tube and post wiring aside. Um, I'm not I talking mean, about the wire. I'm talking about the microprocessor capabilities of the switch because if it's going to do a checksum hash, yeah. if so it's going to do a checksum hash, that switch has got to have a yeah, microcontroller. But, but 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 even that, it's like I can I can run a 10 megabit a second Ethernet stack on a freaking piece of shit like the piece of shit AVR chip that we use in our. our that our, would be interesting though, because what you would do is if you wanted to do that is the main module in the basement. You would just have it recognize each device through a hash, mm-hmm. and if that wasn't the handshake first, then the pulse doesn't get sent. And the other thing too, Gunner, is like when you talk about your network protocols, right? So you're going to be your now your light switch needs to know about the time. So if the time for your light switch drifts, you won't be able to turn on and off your lights, right? You got to be okay with that. But then you got to say, well, how does the light switch know the time? Well, it's going to have to do a handshake at the beginning. So now all you got to do is just kill the power, pretend to be that handshake, and then boot that switch off of your controller instead of theirs. You still own their house. You know what I'm saying? Like, is, as long as it's built for a consumer, it's going to be easy to fake. And if it's easy to fake, it's going to be easy to control. And if it's easy to control, then you can kill all the lights in somebody's house without them home. You can blast their stereo. Turn off their fridge. Yeah. You could do all of these things. I mean, how weird would it be? Like somebody's like, oh, I leave my lights on when I'm gone so people think that I'm home. And it's like, yeah, well, I just turned them all off, bitch. No, you're not home. (laughs) I just turned on porn. There's porn playing in your living room. Well, I think that goes to that certificate is that if it's not already being done, when you set up that first control module, you should also set up a hashed password that is that then gets assigned to each one of those devices. So even if you brought your new module you know, over and you try to plug into their service, unless you know that hash, you're not going to get into the actual device. Right. And actually, yeah, maybe... Or the, you and, open the window and shout to Alexa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right? get, smash get, the window and shout to Alexa. Getting back to, getting back to your... Uh, Probably don't even need a shout. Turn all the lights off, Alexa. Your stepbrother. Play romantic music. Alexa, let's make fuck. Hey, I I got our new outing is going to be going over to Kevin's house and just screwing with him. Just screwing with his Alexa. (laughs) I'm going to hacks it. Yeah. But, um, you know, and again, like that kind of getting your thing too is like your stepbrother's uh, controller thing there. 
It isn't even so much the controller that would be the big deal. It's the software stack that takes advantage. Yeah, I was wondering, like how, what is the software that he's using? Because that's got to be, in, especially with the hand motion with the yeah. connects. I yeah, mean, so he was what's using. The interface there? He, so he has to use a broadcast technology in order to send the data, but then he did need some error correction because there's a chance that with Wi Fi, not all the packets make it to its destination. He really he needed broadcast because he needs to be able to give the controller the option to throw away missed packets. Um, but it does get you do get in scenarios where the motor might be in a position that it didn't expect to be in so that's where you kind of need like and you know more about the robotics than I do Gunner, but sensors. you kind of need sensors to know yeah. when the motors have flags. hit certain spots yeah you need flags yeah and that's motor. what we used to do in automation at Intel is that when a motor get, gets out of calibration you mm -hmm. have these flags that you're upper and lower and your thetas and different things and you're really just hitting those to kind of zero it in but when it's running, it's never hitting those flags. It's just doing its normal motion. Right. It just assumes every step. Up. It assumes every step those is. Those flags are just used to calibrate. Right. Yeah. So he did have some of that. The software was interesting because the, um, the controller had to run assembly. So most people that are listening that do have some experience with coding, they might know they might know JavaScript, they might know um, a little bit about like HTML, which is more of a markup. They might know Java, C, C++, .NET. There's a bunch of languages. Python's a really big one. That's probably, probably the first one I should have said. A lot of people at home listen. They're like, oh yeah, I've had to write Python for something. Um, however, uh, assembly is is a much lower language, and they had to write the controller language in assembly, which was interesting because like if you you fire up this motor and you wanted like a configuration page, they had to write that configuration page in something that was completely different than how you'd write a web page today. You know, you browse to this motor, you go to like you know one nine two dot one, like you do any home home thing that you plug in, you you got to browse to it somehow, and. Uh, that web page that they were spitting out, they had to write it in a really, really low-level language um, because that's all that was available for the controller. Um, they did have a C compiler for it, um, so they were able to compile some C. But a lot of the libraries that you would have used with C to do something like to serve a web page um, were simply too difficult. They were they consumed too much memory, so they wrote their own raw like like web page handler i guess you could say mm. uh, very very basic stuff but you know and again this gets into the whole hindsight's 2020 everything like that because there you know it, there's 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 always kind of like these warring constraints of parts cost versus board real estate versus what are you actually trying to do because you know, like the, the you talk about like the struggle with the light switch and stuff like that, because you know all the ones that like uh, as far as our three D printing adventures have gone so far, with the exception of those like tiny printers that you got, which are actually running like ARM cores as the, the as their controllers. You know, everything we deal with is that you know everything we've dealt with is AVR eight bit piece of shit. You know, like deliberately archaic micros but um i mean like you know for the real estate that he had on that board he could have stuck like a t like he had done like a teensy three or something like that where it's <coughs> running a 32-bit arm micro so you could actually hit a full tc you know you could hit a full tcp ip stack so you could do positional sensing stuff like that and so his business model was based on a certain amount of sales yep um and in order to uh to meet the the price point 
and the profit point, mm-hmm. he needed to be able to, to source the, the cheaper uh, yes. microcontrollers and code and to those. It's, it's, it's always, and it's, it's, it's always the, 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 the fight. What was really nice to see is he was using a 3D printer to build the housing that held the, the, the board onto the, onto the motor. So it was nice to see him go through the full prototyping process of making his own motor case through um, through 3D, 3D printing. So it kind of comes full circle. Like he started the whole project um, kind of as this, it, it was incentivized because he wanted to build his own printer. Of course, a lot of people over the years started making their own printers and there's some consumer models that are very popular now. Um, so who knows if that would have been a good business venture. But what's well, interesting he, is he to see... He had closed loop control on each of the motors and then uh, he might have... He might, he might, he might, he still might make a go of it if he was so inclined. Yeah, eight grand is not peanuts. That's cool. No, yeah, and of course with Kickstarter, um, if you tell Kickstarter you want to, you want your um, campaign to work this way, you can say, "Hey, give me whatever money I raise, and I want to start the campaign regardless of how much I raise." His wasn't that way. He did not want to uh, uh, build up. launch unless yeah. he had that initial eighty thousand dollars in orders, which he didn't get. But it was nice to see, it was kind of inspired by 3D printers, and then he used the 3D printers to, to prototype his stuff, and, it, and he would eventually probably get a mold of the, of the motor case that he was working with. But I think 3D printing is an interesting um, idea on its own. You know, just as, uh, it, like, how many, how many home hobbyists can be enabled now because they can just print something? And if your back end, to come full circle, was was cloud-based like let's say let's say those interact with a web api or something something like that that Mm -hmm. you could you could actually run that as a web service that is you know fully distributed up in the cloud so you're running your wi-fi motors but your compute and whatever you need if it's voice recognition you know uh turn right 80 degrees or whatever you're whatever you can actually then build on that using the same compute that we were talking about earlier. And you're bringing that point up, um, and it kind of, where I kind of go to immediately, and Luke, if you could talk more about, um, we're going to go back to cloud computing. So it's obviously like a super beneficial thing. It's, it is the future, but are there, like, what are like the security risks for it? Because like t- when Trace brought up, like, what if somebody just put clamp their own controller, recorded your authent- uh, author- authentication, um, signals and then just started control your house like in cloud computing is there like slaving some of these components so that you never own your data <laughs> uh, yeah I mean that there's always concerns because you're given some of the tools that you would normally have in your on-premise data center over to companies like Microsoft and, and Amazon or, or Google uh, but you know there's still the this very similar and really to tell you the truth a lot of the things that we think we have security around um you know look at the meltdown specter mm-hmm. that happened with intel yeah that happened you know, with in, that was internal to the processor and, itself and they were aware of some of those flaw. things and and not only that but there's other uh companies that have built in to like hp what they some of the things that they would ship with their servers were actually entry points for for uh, hackers and things like that. So, so you, Meltdown's probably a good one, yeah, right? Because yeah. if you're sharing computing on, a, on hardware, then more data is going through the processor on that. And although the programmers might have done their best 
to, to logically partition company ABC from company XYZ. If the processor itself has an exploit, you can pull data from one company you, one company can pull data that the other company is processing. So that's crazy. That's some crazy espionage shit. Now, the, of course, it's like uh, it, it's 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 like it's like tapping into somebody's sewer line, right? Just because just because something is flowing out of a house doesn't mean it has any information that's useful to you. You might be able to you might be able to tap into a sewer line and find out if somebody is on drugs. Because it would be in their, you know, it'll be in their urine. You might be able to test for, uh, for cocaine, for marijuana, and stuff like that. But there's also a good chance that somebody's just taking a shower. So when you think about these security flaws, it really depends on on the capacity to capture the yeah. the capacity to filter in out line. the crap. Yeah, that that no pun intended. Filter out the crap that you don't really care for. Oh yeah, and then be able to piece all of the information back together. Um, one one recent, I think within the last two weeks, um, there's a uh, uh, an older version of, of desktop Linux um, and server Linux known as Gen 2. And uh, Gunnar, did you hear this news? No. What Gen 2 had one of its GitHub profiles. Uh, GitHub is where their source is all stored. Had one of its GitHub profiles compromised. Ooh. And it was done It was done a while ago, and they've been distributing malware nice. for a while yeah. just because one person's credentials were taken. So that's an interesting thing yeah. because when you have a system as large as, as a full-blown desktop, you have enough traffic on there that you have to be able to filter out the, the trusted traffic from the untrusted traffic. So when you see these changes being made, you're like, oh, uh, you know, Mark Smith uploaded another, um, another file. You just assume that the file's clean because you trust him as a person. What you don't realize is Mark Smith might have died. Somebody might have hacked his uh, hacked his email, gotten access to his GitHub, and he is quote unquote alive. <laughs> but yeah. he's really um, he's really a bad actor injecting malware into a project. But but even the security that you think you have, and that's kind of what what we're really talking about is. But the to, security that you think you have at your your company or at Turning Stone or you know where where anyone works, just because that server's sitting in your data center doesn't mean that it's any more secure than a server sitting in Azure. And but to answer Wade's question, right? What cloud? And this is really was the point I was trying to drive at. What what cloud? Where, where cloud adds an additional uh, problem when it comes to security is distribution. You can have distribution happen so fast now, right? Yeah. When we started computing, if you had malware on a on a computer, it had to go. It almost had to like like hopscotch from computer to computer. But now with cloud, all you have to do is touch the source, and everybody that consumes that service can potentially be affected. So I think distribution, you're you're just co making copies of copies of copies and everybody's just blindly using it. Well, well that actually it brings me to, so initially when you had Office 365, all company, you know, companies that were joining this Office 365, these servers are actual exchange servers sitting in in Azure. You know, Microsoft's managing it, so you don't really, you don't ever have to log into the server. You, you, you're, you're managing it through a dashboard, but early on, you were able to just basically send anything unauthenticated to anyone that was hosted in Office 365. So I could just spoof basically, you know, uh, a company like IV4 mm -hmm. and send to a company 
and uh, uh, that's also hosted in Office 365 without any authentication. Um, and that's because they, they Microsoft that. screwed up, right? Well, I mean, that, that was, those were kind of like the early things that... So there's things like that that they didn't realize that it would just be a, a basically... Um, I'm, I'm brain farting on the term, but it's just an internal relay. That is the term. So it becomes an internal relay. It's like you have all these domains, uh, you know, intel.com and google.com, but if they're all hosted on the same machine, essentially the same exchange server, they just look at them as a trusted domain. Right. Um, that has been fixed, but those were some of the early things that when I was deploying that at companies and I was able to just send, you know, as a test, an email from my IV4 account to yeah. them to do a test, I was always like, that's kind of odd. I can, I can just SSH or Telnet into uh, that and just do a uh, SMTP send. And um, I just got a message from God, yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was odd, but that has been fixed, thank God. But that I think that's to answer your question, Wade. That's another thing is that when you have a mistake, the mistake hits the masses. You yes. have six companies all operating with a certain assumption of security. When Microsoft has an oversight, all six of those companies are exposed well, at the same time. Uh, you know, and again, this is this is. This is unfortunately the the, the endpoint of capitalism because you know it's this it's I guess in a physical sense it's the same shit with the freaking Takata the Takata airbag disaster and Toyota which is that like everybody gets everybody like there may be like six or seven players but everybody buys this buys the single most important one of this like or a single was critical part from yeah. one person Tony did that Tony did that yeah Tony did that Tony did that the goddamn Tony. The fuck was Tony thinking? I know, but he knows yeah, all about you know, like this. when things when things go bad, it goes bad yes. real quick because everyone is in scope. Like, you know, it's uh, they had they had, they had the issue with the Toyota accelerator pedals. Everybody used the same for all their all of their stuff used the same part, so every one of their cars. It's like the crop problem, right? You have like ninety percent of our crops coming from like like one large. Banana, the banana trees. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn banana trees. I mean, there's things that you're gonna be dealing with that you wouldn't deal with if you had your computer right near your uh, under your desk. Right. Um, but it's also one of these things where it's it's a risk that you know. I mean, like even there is there is a certain actual like analysis that you can go through and weigh yeah, these risks. ROI. But, but 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 beside that, it's like nobody wants to you know. Like, well, they, you, they, you talk about that. It's like well, you theoretically your your entire day, your entire business could be ruined. Well, yeah, but that's a theoretical. It's like, are you willing to say right? Here's 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 the number of days that we know that we're going to fall in scope that we're going to experience a, a tier one existential catastrophic threat. And even even. Even when you have your servers, you're doing like refreshes, and they they've done studies. Uh, I, I want to say Microsoft did this study, but still, I'm sure they they took their time and done it, did it well. But uh, you know, most companies refresh hardware if it's on prem every five mm -hmm. to seven years, and they found that with the you know the amount of time. So if you're going to refresh, you got to buy the equipment, you got to buy new licenses. You got to maybe engage in a consultant group to come in and actually do the install or the vendor, which is a package that you buy from them. And 
you end up spending like 80% more than if you just had that in their system that they would then maintain the hardware similar to what we were talking about earlier. Well, you know, but that's also that goes to, you know, I don't, the, the, the utility, the utility model of computing is not necessarily the it's wrong a utility one. model, right? Because you don't care, you don't care where the powers. I mean, like unless there's some weird like externality that you tacked onto it, like oh, I get extra, I get, I get a carbon credit or something like that. But you don't care where the fucking electricity's coming from, right? As long as I have enough of it coming to the wall. And my concern is that most like, am I can? Is there a way that I can use less to do the same amount of work so that I don't pay as much for it? Right, and that's exactly it's distributed. So lots of different companies are using that resource, uh, which comes with maybe some security things that we're not aware of right now. Yeah, maybe it, there is a way to tap in. It's sandboxed, and essentially it's a hypervisor. The, the, so the you N- think the it's, NSA is watching anyway. You know, so. you know that's similar to what VMware would provide. Is there's really no leakage, supposed leakage across that. And the communication between those is the hypervisor. So to try to reassemble that communication would is basically impossible. Well, unless you get that Mercury rising, I'm actually I can reconstruct the contents of a but, TCP yeah. IP packet by watching the lights blink on the switch. And, and maybe with you know the, the, maybe with more as we get more and more compute, that that kind of uh, vulnerability becomes something that could happen. Oh, there goes the oh, cell phone. That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so one of the articles that I brought up is uh, a couple uh, this week had just moved into a 3D printed home. Hmm. So, kind of switching back to the 3D printer topic, uh, it says that it took wow. them 56 hours to print the home. Holy cow! Yeah, and. Uh, of course, it's it's always going to sound better in in description, but what they show is something that looks kind of like a modified forklift that's putting down. Uh, from the picture, it looks kind of like it's just insulation, but I assume it's something a little bit thicker than that, maybe something closer to concrete. Um, and what what they don't really explain is um, is how it goes from the the rough like concrete looking uh or almost like like spray foam looking walls to smooth because in the finalized picture it's smooth so it might have taken 56 hours to print but i doubt it took 56 hours to actually finish um yeah luke i know you printing wires must have been pretty hard (laughs) yeah exactly well for the electricity actually so this this gets um so this gets into this gets into the fun uh mixed media printing well, because there, um, there are a couple of uh, tech, you know, like again, like because three D print a three D printer is not a three D printer is not a three D printer is not a three D printer. So you have your concrete, you, you have your ones that'll do concrete, but um, to a certain extent, you know, like that's all they do. I mean, like you can stick, you, you can have like stuff that'll work with them. You actually, you kind of like where you have stuff that can like. Print in a form. I'll stick a bunch of rebar. You know, I'll have another robot come by, drop a bunch of rebar in it, print another part of the form. Um, there's a company out in California that has one that's closest to like the fucking Star Trek replicator because one, it can print something bigger than the actual printer itself, mm. but it can print. It will print plastic, metal, stone, and wow. it's effectively these three fucking spider arms that come up out of the side. And their demo is is they're actually building like full like surface, you know, like actual like orbit. 
reaching rockets and they print the entire thing in one go so they can print the, you know like all all of the parts it can actually do finished machining on it well and really i mean like you know they're doing the rocket is kind of just like to say this is how hot shit our stuff is somebody yeah. come buy us because we effectively have a factory that can sit inside a fucking shipping container and as long as you feed it if you can print rockets you can print missiles right you, you can print missiles but you can print ships you can print buildings because to your point yes it is something that can print concrete yeah. but it can also make the fucking electrical wiring on site and maybe instead it's just of spooling. tools that are just well, because, really yes. part, it's more robotic than there is a printing piece of it but there's, right. I, I can imagine like uh, outlet modules that you just fill in well, bins. Well, because and, actually, the, the, that just the, like the, the, that, as it's running through, it's that printing. particular one. It has different. So there's like three. There's three arms in this cluster, and it has different heads on yeah. each of the arms. But they also are like on like a like a, a revolver yeah. cartridge type setup. So it has a gripper. It has a machine head. It has all this stuff. So it can basically it can like go grab wire. Stretch between two arms, set and form. That's perfect. The, yes, but yes, it, it is. It is. I put this tiny thing in the front of a rocket, set it, set it up to the moon, and as long as it's got power and it's being fed shit, it will make Elon's uh, Elon's space colony for him. But yeah, like I mean, a three D printer can't necessarily dig a foundation, right? right. So <clears throat> this concept so works if you're okay with a flat that's on top. You 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 have to flatten the earth out too, right? I mean. Is the 3D printer going to just I, fill I, in? I thought the Earth was flat. The Earth is flat. That was last week's podcast. That was last flat week's Earther. podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I wish you were here last week for the flat Earther conversation. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. You need a few beers or something, right, before you start that conversation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're talking about how their, um, their efforts to put a rocket into uh to take a picture of all failed <laughs> speaking speaking of flat earths wade's 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 uh wade's life needs to be crushed flat by his pursuit of monetary gain yes that is actually very true what's that what the heck did you just say uh gunner was trying to segue into a wrap-up so i'm just gonna abruptly do it flat, flat earth wade needs to be <laughs> yes. crushed by the way are you saying that wade, wade needs to leave for work yes. yeah so well, I think we're going to end it there. Luke, man, thanks for coming. Yeah, uh, I hope you had a good time. I would definitely, definitely want you to come back. All right. Um, you know, we can yeah. we can revel in more stories about Waterbury Road. And I know. That was... I'm surprised that you haven't been voted king yet. No. No? no. I, it's be, I is it because it... If I lived on Waterbury Road and if I had voting rights, I would vote him. You know what, though? Waterbury Road probably doesn't like... like Value that they just value the no, strength. That's no, it. It's just who, how bad you be. It's like the Lost young. Boys. Everybody's <laughs> whoever's there now owns it. Yeah. Once you leave, once you leave, you're dead to them. Yeah. Once you leave Waterbury Road, there's no coming back. It's like a really fucking violent and fucked up Amish. Yeah, I might get killed. Community. Luckily, I still have a footing there. My mom lives there, so uh, yeah, they can't get rid of me completely. Do they salute you as you walk by? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have a secret? I go really slow. A secret handshake? Uh, actually, you got to go real slow just so they can recognize your car. <laughs> you don't want to go. Don't too steal fast. anything yeah. from here. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining us, uh, and uh, we will be back next week. We'll probably get on a regular schedule. Uh, holiday uh last week kind of threw us off a little bit and uh we'll see you later